0: I'd like to continue our study of the book of Genesis this morning, and if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. After coming through that bad chapter, chapter 38, uh, it's good to take up the story of Joseph again in chapter 39, and I want you to follow in your Bibles as I read. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, and an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. And he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what is with, with me in the house? And he hath committed all thee hath to my hand. And there is none greater in his house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as he spake to jo- as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath hath brought brought a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried. They left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid his garment by by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I left, lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the, of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the the prisoners that were in the prison. Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of this wonderful passage. It shows us a man who was determined to obey you. And Lord, he resisted temptation and won the victory because you were with him. I pray that you'd teach us lessons today from this passage. As we've entitled the message, Lord, blessings disguised as trouble. Help us to see that sometimes, well, for Christians all the time, trouble that comes our way is for a reason. And there's a purpose. And you can accomplish good out of things that seem to be bad. Help us to see through those things, Lord, and to praise you and honor you and serve you regardless what comes. Bless the word to our hearts today. Give enablement to bring the message. And if anybody here has not trusted Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today they would put their faith in you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The account in Genesis 39 is about a man who was determined to be faithful to his God regardless in what circumstances he might find himself. Joseph became a great man because God was with him. But he would not have been blessed and been the great man that he was if he had not obeyed God. You see it's not just God being with us, it's our obedience to the Lord and then he blesses us. The same is true of every believer today. We can be successful as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a servant of God if we will obey him. Every believer has the ingredient that Joseph had that made him prosperous, and that is the Lord was with him. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 that the Lord is with us all the time. He'll never leave us nor forsake us so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You can have victory. I can have victory. I can obey the Lord, and I can be prosperous as a Christian, as the servant of God, if I'll do what God tells me to do. Joseph would only be blessed because God was with him. And God made this clear. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, verse 2. Verse 3, it says his master saw that the Lord was with him. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. And one other time it says in this passage, the Lord was with him. In John chapter 15, verse 5, the Lord said, Without me ye can do nothing. Well, the believer is never without the Lord. So it's when we can't serve the Lord, when we don't do what is right, it's not God's fault because God is always with us, and so we're really never without Him. And so the Lord says, without me you can do nothing. So if we will determine we're going to obey the Lord, we can do it. We can be prosperous. We can be uh, victorious as a Christian. God wants us to be. But that passage that says, without me you can do nothing, also tells about... Us being the branches on the vine. The Lord's the vine. And the Lord says we're to abide in Him and He in us because without Him we can do nothing. We need the Lord. And He says, you just abide in me and I'll give you victory and you will be prosperous. Before we get into the main thrust of today's message, I want to comment about something. And I want to make a point about today's work climate. Everywhere you go, there are help-wanted signs, people looking for people to work. Employees have told me through the years, and even more, more so recently you hear it, that it's so hard for employers uh, to find employees who are faithful. It's hard for employers to find people who, who will really work, who really care about their job. And really, that climate makes a golden opportunity for Christian young people to succeed as, as an employee somewhere. It's a golden opportunity. Because all you have to do is to be a Christian and act like you're supposed to act, and God will bless you. You see, if you as will go to a job as a Christian, and it's not just for young people, but older people as well. Just go to your job and be the best you can be for Jesus. Obey him. Be honest. Be respectful. Be faithful. Be on time. Be hardworking. Don't be complaining and grumbling. Be be thankful for what the job that you have, and you have the right attitude. And before long, your employer will recognize that they are being blessed because of you. The principle is still the same today as it was back then. Joseph was faithful. He was doing what God wanted him to do, regardless of the circumstance that he found himself. And so he was faithful and God blessed him and he blessed those who were with him. So that's a point I had to get across (laughs) because we're in need of Christians who will be Christians on the workplace and dependable and hardworking and not grumbling and complaining all the time. Well, but I want to get into the message this morning and the message is this, blessings disguise this trouble. So let's look at some troubles in Joseph's life that really were blessings. And I'm going to enumerate them and talk about them one by one. First of all, the trouble of being sold to the Ishmaelites. I mean, Joseph had a favored position in his family. His dad really favored him. It wasn't a wise thing for him to do, but he did. He gave him a coat of many colors. And uh, he recognized him as the one that he wanted to take charge of the family. And so Joseph, even when he went out to check on his brothers, he wore that coat of many colors. And uh, Joseph was getting a little bit proud about it. And so when the when the when his brothers took him and threw him in a pit and then sold him off to the Ishmaelites, they were probably really doing Joseph a favor. You see, his brothers tore off his coat. And maybe that was a good thing for Joseph. He was getting used to that coat. He was being a little boisterous about it, and wearing it out before they were tending the sheep. Why would you wear a long-sleeved coat out doing that? Probably it was getting to his mind, maybe a little to his pride, and he was thinking, you know, I'm really special. So his brothers tore that coat off of him. Joseph needed that coat to be torn off, and uh, he probably never saw it again. And so uh, that coat was taken from him. He was becoming proud, and that had to go. And so God took care of that, and his brothers threw him down in the pit and sold him off. And one moment he was top dog in his family, and the next moment he was human, involved in the bad side of human trafficking, and they sold him off to the Ishmaelites. He needed to get away from those three brothers because those three brothers were a bad influence on him. We've already looked at some of the things they did, and you remember when he was with the four, four sons that of Bil- Bilhah and Zilpah, that he had an evil report to tell his, tell his dad. His dad probably said, Check on those boys. I don't think they're doing right. He came back with an evil report, and they weren't doing right. They were, they were doing evil things. And so Joseph needed to get out of that company. He needed to get away from them, and so him being sold to the Ishmaelites was a blessing in disguise because God used that to get him away from those boys. He He was a man that was developing some problems. And God took care of those problems when he got thrown in the pit and then sold to the Ishmaelites. And then another, another trouble came his way, and that is he was sold to Potiphar. Now, the second time, he this was the second time that he was sold. He must have been humiliated by, to be treated, by being treated just like a commodity. And he was sold the second time and probably they put him on an oxen block and he went to the highest bidder. That would be humiliating for a young man who had been top dog in his, in his family. And so he was sold. Potiphar was an important Egyptian. Now, how would God get something good out of that? How is this a blessing in disguise? Well, Joseph needed to be introduced to the, to the Egyptian way of life. He needed to be introduced to some of the upper people in the, in the Egyptian government. You know, most people in Egypt that day were just villagers. They were common people. But the bureaucracy and all the, all the government, of that, those, those were the people that had the money. And so Potiphar was an important officer in Pharaoh's army. And so he lived well. He lived high. And so Joseph is introduced to that family, and because he needs that, one day he's going to be ruler in the land of Egypt. And so he's got to leave home, and he's got to get get to the place where God's going to introduce him to the family or to the upper part of the country that he's going to be involved in later in his life. And so Joseph would be in government soon, but introduction to that, he becomes a servant in one of the government people's homes. He had a lot to learn, a lot to learn as a young man. And God was introducing him to God's preparation school. He didn't know it, but God was putting him in his preparation school. You see, everything was working out for good. The, bless, the, the trouble was really a blessing in disguise. Joseph was, give, was beginning to learn that God can prosper him in adverse circumstances. He had never been in those adverse circumstances before his brothers turned on him. He had been the, the favored son. He had not suffered adverse circumstances, but now he did. And he had to learn that God in the midst of adverse circumstances could bless him. So Joseph rose to the prominence in the, Egyptian, in the Egyptian home as the overseer. Now this was the first time that Joseph had ever really experienced being an overseer. Uh, His father favored him, but his brothers didn't go along with it. He told his brothers about these dreams he had, you know, that they were going to bow down to him and all of that. Uh, They didn't go along with that. So he never really was overseer in his house, but now he's overseer in Potiphar's house. Well, one day he's going to be overseer of the whole land. And so God is preparing him for what's coming. Preparation for what is to follow. The trouble of being a slave turned out to be a blessing. You see, Joseph learned the truth. The Bible says in Matthew 25, he didn't have that passage, of course. He didn't have the Bible at that time. But Matthew 25 says, the Lord says, If you'll be faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many things. And Joseph was learning that. He was learning to be faithful over a few things, and God would make him ruler over everything, over many things. You see, Joseph was separated from his family, but he was not separated from his God. He was taken away from things where he felt comfortable, for a home that where he felt comfortable, and he was put into a foreign land that he knew nothing about, and his brothers had forsaken him, but God had not. And so wherever he went, God was there. That's why I told you the other day, if you wonder why, Uh, When you're in a rough time, the Lord seems to show up always at the right time. And And the reason is, he never left. He was always there. And the Lord was always with Joseph. And so there's that trouble being sold to Potiphar. And then there was the trouble being tempted by Potiphar's wife. Now, how could that be good? How is that a blessing in disguise? Well, he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. You see, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife saw him and desired him and asked him to lie with her. The Bible tells us that in verse 7, but in verse 6, right before that, it says Joseph was a good-looking young man. He was well-favored. He probably took that good looks from his mother. You remember uh, Rachel, and she was a beautiful lady, and maybe he took some of that from her. I don't know what Jacob looked like, but uh, she was, it says she was pretty. And so he was a, a young man who was, he was young, he was strong, and he was appealing to this ungodly person. You see, she was an unbeliever, and she did not fear God. It didn't matter to her. See, she was used to getting what she wanted, and she looked and saw Joseph, and she wanted Joseph, and so she set out to get Joseph. Joseph refused. And he refused her advances to him, and, she, and he gave her two reasons. First of all, he said this, My master has put everything in the house under my hand, and the only thing he has kept back from me is you, and you're his wife. And I would not be dishonorable, and I would not be disloyal to my master after all the good things he's done to me. I would not do this. This is not right. I would not turn on my master like that. I will not be disloyal to him. And then he gave another reason. And he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Let me camp there for just a minute and say, The Lord uh, Joseph said it's great wickedness. You know, the culture might change, but the nature of sin doesn't. And it's still great wickedness. And this, this whole immorality that's so prevalent today is great wickedness. It's just not a little sin, it's great sin. And there are differences in sin. Sin is sin, that's true. But there are some sins even worse than others. And God says, or Joseph said, this is great wickedness. And we should never uh, change our idea about that. Joseph said to do this thing that she's wanting me to do is great wickedness. And not only that, it's a sin against my God. And Joseph had loyalty to his master. He had loyalty to his God. You see... She kept after Joseph, and the Bible says she did not accept his refusal, but she kept after him day after day after day. Now, sometimes Christians resist temptation, and I've known of things like this, where people resist temptation for a while, but then finally it gets the best of them, and they succumb. Well, she kept after him day after day after day. But the Bible says that she, he rejected her and he refused to be with her. He made sure that when he was in the house, she was nowhere around. And he saw her come into the room, he left. He was not with her. He didn't talk to her. He, didn't, he made sure he was not with her. He had to get himself away from that. Why? He didn't trust her and he didn't trust himself. I've told you this before. I remember some of our kids sometimes back when they were teens, says, Dad, don't you trust me? And I said, No way. No, I don't trust you. I don't trust myself. The Bible says we are to put no confidence in the flesh. We don't trust our flesh. Don't you dare trust your flesh. And don't you tell your young person that you would trust them in any situation. No, our flesh is weak. And Joseph knew that. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get away. And so he refused her, and he got away from her. He refused to lie with her and to be with her. But she took advantage of one time that she noticed, and maybe she even arranged it, I don't know, that there was a day that there was nobody in the house. You see, there were other men at the house uh, doing chores, different things, and this is an important house, and it was probably a big house and a lot of things to do. But that day, nobody was there except Joseph. And so she took advantage of that. And she saw him, and and she came, and he was trying to avoid her, you know, not to be with her. And she came and grabbed a hold of him and said, lie with me, lie with me. And Joseph took his coat, she had a hold of his coat, and it happened like this. She had a hold of his coat, and he thought, i got to get out of here. And so he left his coat, and he ran. Now, let me illustrate something to you. I heard a pastor friend of mine say many years ago when he was, teaching, when he was preaching to our young people in, in the, in the uh, chapel of our Christian school in West Virginia. And he did just what I did. And he said, young people, I want you to understand something. Joseph left his reputation, but he didn't leave his character. He lost his reputation, but he didn't lose his character. You see, when Joseph left his coat with her, she had evidence against him. And she destroyed his reputation with everyone who knew him, if they believed her. And, uh, but he didn't destroy his character. He got out of there. And so Joseph remained intact. His character, his, his reputation did not remain intact. There's been many times that Christians have lost their reputation, but they kept their character. You know, you can't control what people say about you. And people can destroy you with their tongue. They can mess your reputation up. But God alone knows the real heart. And he knows whether your character is still there. You see, Joseph was aware of something that she wasn't aware of. She looked around, and nobody was in the house. This is golden opportunity but he looked around said she's here i've got to get out of here but also joseph said i've looked up and i know god is watching how can i do this great wickedness and sin against my god and he ran because he knew the lord he knew the lord was involved and so his reputation, the Lord's reputation, all of it was on the line, and he knew that he needed to keep his character and go because he did not want to, anybody to talk bad about his Lord or about him. But anyway, he had to go. So he got out of there, and he ran. Jace, J- Joseph ran, and he left his garment, but he kept himself intact, and he got out of there. You see, this is the second time that Joseph has lost his coat. If you think about it, he lost his coat back there when the brothers took it off of him and threw him in the pit. And now he's lost his coat the second time, and it probably was a coat that that showed some uh, honor as well because he was top in the house now. He was in charge of everything, and everything he oversaw but her. And so he left that coat, and he got out of there. But Joseph was still intact. Maybe Joseph knew something the Scripture tells us about, not from the Scripture because he didn't have these Scriptures, but the Bible says this, Proverbs 22, verse 14, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. Joseph had been in a pit one time. It was a bad experience. His brothers threw him in there. Nothing to eat. He didn't know what was going to happen, and he was there until they took him out and sold him into slavery. He had been in that pit. But now, there's another pit waiting for him. And so many times, the devil will make that pit look like anything but a pit. But the Bible says, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. Proverbs 23, verse 27, it says, A whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. And so this woman would be a strange woman to him, not that he didn't know who she was, no, because she was not his. That was not who he was supposed to be with. And so God had to teach him through this lesson. You see, he had had not been tried morally before. And this was necessary for him in the future because he was going to be in the government. He was going to be top man under Pharaoh in the government. And so there were going to be a lot of temptations. And he didn't know, but there was a wife waiting for him. Potiphar gave him a wife, you remember, and he had sons by that wife who became some of the 12 tribes of of Israel. He didn't know all of that, but God had somebody waiting for him, but he he dare not mess it up here. And so he just did what he was supposed to do. Young people, listen to this. The devil will offer you all kinds of shortcuts. Don't you dare take them. You wait until the Lord has that right person for you. There's nothing wrong today for a young lady to say, I am still a virgin. And there's nothing wrong for a young man to say, I am still a virgin. That should be something we desire. And the world will laugh about it. They'll make fun of it and all of that. But don't you swallow their lie. The devil wants you to fall into a pit. And he wants you to have less than the best. And so we must obey the Lord. And so he needed to learn this. And God taught him to wait, wait on the Lord in the time of trouble. There was another trouble that came to him that was also a a blessing in disguise. And that was the trouble of being wrongly accused. You see, after it was all over, this woman showed her true colors. You see, this lady, this this adulteress, was not interested in him. She was interested in her. She was wanting to fulfill her desires. And when her desires were not full fulfilled, she quickly turned on him because he didn't mean anything to her. He just, she just wanted to satisfy herself. And young ladies and young men as well need to take note of this. There's a lot of times those tempters out there, the only thing they're concerned about is themselves. And they'll say something if you, like, if you love me, you will. But you should say, no, if you love me, you wouldn't ask. And uh, so many times the devil wants to give you something that's second best, third best. It's counterfeit when God has the best waiting for you. And so this lady didn't care about Joseph. She cared about herself. She falsely accused Joseph to the men of the house. And she said, this Hebrew that my husband brought in, she's really blaming her husband. My husband brought this Hebrew in here and you can't trust the Hebrew and he tried to rape me and, uh, and, and I have his coat to prove it. He, when I hollered, he, he left his coat, he had taken his coat off and he left his coat and ran and I had the proof here and then when she laid the coat up and when her husband came home, she told him and she, told, she falsely accused him. The master was angry and he put him in, a, in, in jail, in prison. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think Potiphar believed the whole story? Now, we don't know for sure, but I have questioned whether he did. The Bible doesn't say he was angry with Joseph. It just says he was angry. I imagine that he had been with this woman long long enough that he knew some of her ways, and he probably didn't trust her fully, but he had learned to trust Joseph but she puts him on the spot and she accuses him and all the men in the house has heard the same thing and he's got to do something. And remember who he is. He's captain of the guard, the one that's in charge of the executions and all of that. And he had the authority and the right to put Joseph to death if he wanted to, but he didn't. He put him in the prison. He put him in prison and he left him there and uh, it was not a good experience, but what was God's purpose in all this? I believe one of the purposes God want, He was in Potiphar's house for a while, but now it's time to get out. What's the way out? Well, God allowed this to happen, and the way out is through what took place we just described. And he got out of Potiphar's house. He got away from that woman. She wouldn't bother him anymore and he got out of Potiphar's house because that's not where he's supposed to be, uh, finally. He's supposed to be somewhere else. He's been in an officer's house, but he's to be in upper government with Pharaoh. How's he going to get from this place to that place? Well, God says, I have the way, and that is prison. (laughs) And so the next trouble is prison. So he goes to trouble to, to prison, and that's the trouble that turns out to be a blessing. It was a special prison. The Bible tells us that in verse 20, it says it's a where, prison where the king's prisoners were bound. The king's prisoners. That means not just common folks who are caught robbing a bank or something like that or if they had banks back then or stealing somebody's uh, uh, whatever they had. I started to say lawnmower. They probably didn't have those. <laughs> you know, stealing their, their machete. There you go. <laughs> That's what they used in Papua New Guinea or used to, I believe, to cut grass and... Uh, but they stole something. That's not where the people were there. This was, this was a prison for the king's prisoners. These were ones who were disloyal to him. These were ones who were involved in upper crimes. That's where he was. Well, that's exactly where Joseph would have the contacts that he needed to be later in Pharaoh's household or in Pharaoh's realm of government. He needed to be in that prison, not just a common prison, and so the Lord had him go to that prison. He, his initial experience was not great. Now, this passage doesn't tell us that. It just says he went from prison to top dog in the prison. He's, I mean, the guy trusted him so much, he gave him over everything. He was over all the other prisoners, and he put him in as an overseer again in the prison. But before that happened, there was something else that happened. And we don't know that until we find a passage in the, in the Psalms that tell us about it. You see, that's a wonderful thing about the Scripture. And that is the Scripture is a whole book. And God has things in different passages that, fit, that help us know a detail. about, Like the detail about Jesus. You know, you've all heard that, uh, that Jesus' beard was plucked out. And some people read the Gospels. They read all four of them, the stories of Jesus. They don't find that. And they say, where do you get that from? Well, it's in the book of Isaiah. God said that was going to happen to the Christ that his beard was going to be plucked out. Uh, so there's other details that we find that, we, that, that come from other passages, and that's true of the story. In Psalm 105, it says this. It talks about Joseph, and it says, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Now, when did that take place? In prison, but it had to be before he was brought to prominence. So when he first went into prison, they put his feet in iron uh, shackles. And he was hurt in prison. But the Lord got him out of that place, and God was with him. Verse 21 says, God showed showed his mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the the keeper of the prison. You see, this tells us that when you're in times of trouble, you might not know how it's going to turn out. But you do know what is right. You know you're supposed to be honest. You You know you're supposed to be respectful. We, you know that you're not supposed to be a complainer and a grumbler because God says you're not to do that. And you know you're supposed to you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And this taught Joseph, it teaches us, if you do what you're supposed to do, God's going to do the rest. And God made it so that Joseph found favor in this prisoner, and this guy that kept the prison. He found favor in his sight, and he promoted him. And gave him a promotion so that he became part the one who was over the whole prison prison. So again, he becomes an overseer. Overseer first in Potiphar's house, now overseer in, in the prison, and he has all these people under him. Reason for that: the Lord was with him, and the Lord blessed him, and, he, and as he did what he was supposed to do. Being in prison turned out to be a blessing to Joseph. Let me give you some of the ways. He gave him more experiences of being an overseer because someday down the line, won't be too far away, he's going to be overseer over the whole land of Egypt. And he's going to be the one that's going to make sure that his family gets food to eat. He's going to be the overseer. So God's giving him experience. God was training him for reigning. He was training him to be that overseer that he would be. God was enforcing the truth that if you are faithful to God, God will bless you. And so once again, he learns, all I've got to do is do what God wants me to do, and God will bless. He was learning that all the trials for believers are appointments. And then we can say that of every believer here today. You might go through a trial. Some of you have gone through some recently. I mean, it seems really bad. But don't forget, God loves you. And God's working things together for you, not against you. And so trials come your way by God's appointment. And God allows those to happen because God has something good to accomplish through it. You remember Romans eight twenty eight? It says, we know that all things work together for good. Now, we use that passage sometimes, but sometimes we don't emphasize the all. God says all things work together for good. If you've had something that just really disturbed you, something that happened recently to you, and you don't understand why this has happened to you, just don't forget. All things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In Philippians chapter 1, I want to read you a passage there. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Now, Paul's writing that. What things happened to Paul? Paul got thrown in prison. And the things that have happened to me, he said, turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel is going to increase because of what happened to me. Paul understood that. He knew that. James says in chapter 1, verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith... Worketh patience. Anybody here lack patience? <laughs> Guess what God sends your way to teach you patience? And that is trials. And so God has a reason for it. And he has a purpose for it. And so it's a blessing in disguise. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And First Peter, we're also told in chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter verse 6. The Lord says this, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. You're going through a trial, you don't like it, it's tough on you. God says, "Uh, wait a minute, let me tell you something. You need that. (laughs) What do you mean I need it, Lord? You need it. I'm going to accomplish something for it, through it. Just obey me, trust me, stay true. And I will bless you. You need that. If need be, you're in heavenness through manifold temptations or trials. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be, tem- might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, our trials are gold. They are so valuable. And God says we need to understand that. I'd like to close by reminding you of some verses In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 27, it says this. It's good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Do young people have troubles? Yes, they do. Do they have trials? Oh, yes. Do they have temptations? Yes. And God says it's good for you, if you're young, to bear the yoke. Not to let the yoke break you, but to bear the yoke. It's good for man to bear the yoke in his youth. Psalm one nineteen, verse seventy-one says this. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. When do we learn about how faithful the Lord is? When do we learn that all things work together for good? It's when we're going through trials. You show me a young person who's given everything when they're young. There's spo- what we called, we used to call, I don't know if they still call them that or not. We used to call them spoiled brats. You know, mom gave in to them everything. Dad always gave in to them, never told them no, never gave them a spanking or anything like that. They're just spoiled brats. Do those make good employees? No way. Do those make good people? No. Not unless they go through trials and they learn hardship. And so sometimes we have to let our young people learn hardship and experience hardship, not try to make it easy all the time for, for them. They need to learn hardship. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And then one last verse. It's a verse that maybe is hard to understand sometimes. But it says this in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting people who are all the time feasting, having a great time, you know, just living a party life. Is that good for them? No, it's not good for them. And the Lord said, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Some have been to the house of mourning lately. In just the last couple of weeks, we've lost three church members. And... uh, People have been through the house of mourning. And the Lord says to those who are going through the house of mourning, don't despair. God's in charge, and he knows what he's doing. And if you respond correctly to what you're going through, you'll be a better person, and you'll bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Yes, God's trouble that he allows into our life is really a blessing in disguise it all depends on what we do with it. If it comes our way and we say, Lord, I don't understand it, I don't enjoy it, but I don't understand it, but I'm going to do one thing, Lord, and I'm going to honor you. I'm going to obey you. I'm not going to be grumbling and complaining. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to cheat, Lord. I'm going to do what's right because I serve you. God will bless you when you do that, and you'll find your trouble is a blessing in disguise. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for teaching us from this passage. And Lord, there might be someone here today who is not a Christian, and because of that, they can't claim this. But Lord, help them to realize that Jesus died for their sin on the cross of Calvary. He paid everything for them. He paid their debt, and he wants to forgive them And then he rose from the grave on the third day as victorious, as proof that it was all paid. And all they must do is come before you as a repentant sinner and say, Lord, I am a sinner, and I need Jesus as my Savior. I believe he died for me. I want to accept him. I want to trust him right now. And if they'll believe on you and call out to you, Lord, they can be saved. And they can claim all these promises that any trouble that comes their way is a blessing in disguise. Work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.